0: The History of Personal Computing History, History, History of Personal Computing The History Personal Computing. Hello, Retro Computing fans, and welcome back to the History of Personal Computing eBay Edition podcast. Instead of being like tour guides at a museum, here we're two collectors and we're looking at things from that vantage point. Yesterday was Christmas Day, so we waited until today to record the show. It's Saturday, December 26th, I might as well announce it, Jeff. <laughs> so, yes, it so Jeff and I are back together to take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions. And uh, hey, what's new with you, Jeff? I'm up early on a Saturday morning. That's what's new with me. Me too. So I woke up slightly after 8 a.m. You know, Again, it's Saturday, the day after Christmas. And uh, I went to bed reasonably early, but it was really hard to get up. Was it, was
1: it that way for you? No, actually, I did get up pretty early. I, I set my alarm, and it wasn't that difficult getting up. Uh-huh. It just, well... Here it's like I'm I'm all out of kilter because I'm expecting it to be cold and you know freezing yeah. in the morning and it and it wasn't. I mean we we broke records yesterday up here. We did too. And here in the greater Atlanta area, well, you got a lot of rain. I mean we got rain too, but we yeah. got tons of rain. Morning.
0: And where I live, it's like right the you know North Georgia. We're we're just
1: getting it versus if we lived a little bit south, of it we wouldn't have it. I saw it in the, in the news this morning. A lot of. uh Areas in Georgia got flooded and, and yeah, had tornadoes.
0: Yeah. someplace I saw in the news. Wow. We didn't watch a lot of the news, but um fortunately not where I live. And we it just rained a lot. So none of the bad stuff other than just really wet. But um but otherwise we had a really nice Christmas, uh,
1: which we celebrate here in this household how about you how about you and your family yeah we celebrate christmas uh, two (laughs) kids and and the youngest one is 17 so they don't get a whole lot i mean it's not like an extravaganza or cornucopia, but yeah more of the gifts are practical Mm -hmm. compared to you know fun and stuff like you know my son's getting older so he got he got a um an electric razor wow Uh, yeah well he's going to need it yeah (laughs) and uh and he also got stuff for his car you know, yeah. Some things that he could use for his car, and uh, I had, you know, along we, with some toys. Yeah, he got
0: he got toys too, but we have two adult kids, so it was like that as well. And we have a twelve year old, so yeah. So he still got a still got a couple of good toys. He got the new uh, the new Tie Fighter. So this is this is a tie in, or what were they call it a lead in? So segway. He, so he segue, Thank you. So he, he got the new uh, Special Forces, you know, Tie Fighter from the new Star Wars films Lego. That is. Uh, So speaking of which, have you seen the new
1: movie? We got to bring this up. I I have not. Oh well, here's uh, some spoilers spoilers for you. I'm okay with it. I read the spoilers. (laughs) Um, Not kidding. My my daughter saw it the first night here. She had tickets all ready to go. Wow. Friend. Um, Hardcore. We just didn't want to deal with the crowds. I hate crowds. But I I did get my wife uh, one of those little um, uh, Lego Star Wars BB-8. Oh, did you? Yeah, what's the company that makes it? Not not the Hasbro one. Yeah, the oh. little—I can't think of it either. It's it's really yeah. small,
0: but it's it's like one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> it is. But
1: well, uh, and um, as, as it happens,
0: um, I've seen one of those. A guy at work brought one in. His wife bought him, and I can't think of the name either. But very cool. I mean, it is fast. It, it it's really it's small, like palm size, but it moves around like the one yep. in the movie.
1: It's pretty neat. Um, now I
0: have the Hasbro one. Which I like it. It's pretty cool, and and, you know it's just plastic stuff, but pretty good detailed. It's very slow, though, as far as its realism of movement compared to the
1: you're moving a lot more. Yeah, I saw a YouTube video of the little BB eight taken apart, and I saw what makes it work. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I can see how that would be complex to build onto a grander scale and still keep the price down. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's even in this uh, Hasbro toy, which uh, isn't cheap.
0: But it's cheaper than that little one. I mean, but it was—I uh, think it's eighty bucks normally, and I, I got it on what? sale, thankfully, for a little bit, like ten dollars off. But um, you know, even it still works with the same way, keeping the head on the top, and it—you know—the way it moves is still pretty neat. Just the whole way the thing works. Um,
1: Sphero, that was the company yeah. that
0: made. It. Oh, just about uh, going to see the film. So, yeah, I, I didn't even attempt it during opening weekend. So we saw it you know, get the days messed up because of the holidays, but we saw it Christmas Eve. Was it? No, the 23rd, which was Wednesday. So, so Tuesday I looked and I got the, the earliest matinee I could find, uh, at 10 AM for, for Wednesday. And, uh, and then it was great because we were the waltz right into the theater and, and the theater maybe at most was only a quarter full.
1: <laughs> oh, that's, that sounds pretty good on, you
0: know, for that movie. Yeah, right. I didn't expect it to be like not even half full, but yeah, so it was really laid back, a nice, you know, way to see it without crowds. I only saw
1: it on my anniversary day, uh, which was the 19th, um, because a local theater at the town we stayed at was playing it and they had some tickets available. But now we just decided to explore the town instead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we'll get off Star Wars, other than to say, uh, uh, you can you can join. I'll say it. I think uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I have. I'm not gonna say I have problems with it at all because uh, again, I really liked it. Really enjoyed it. Um, eh, I won't say any details. There's a few things I would have changed or whatever, but all in all, a great film. It really, it really feels like oh, a I'm Star sure Wars it was movie. Done well. Very well. Uh, and, and I'll watch it eventually. I'll probably even go into the theater to see way it. Way more pros than cons, put it that way. And, and it really feels like a Star Wars film, which, you know what? After many years, I, I'm not one to start bashing the prequels. Wasn't a big fan of them, especially then. But uh, in fact, the family, we plan I have the Blu-ray set. We plan to start watching 1, 2, and 3 now. And I think they sort of, in my mind, are, are, have gotten a little better <laughs>
1: I think in I don't think there's terrible. Maybe they just didn't live up to. The, you now know, that the story is meshing, it it all seems to fit yeah, here, flow mm-hmm. and flow in better. But anyway, and as long as you can ignore Jar Jar Banks, you're, you're good. To <laughs> yeah. Which you know, it wasn't a big fan, but
0: I, I didn't hate him like some people. I didn't think it was so horrible.
1: See, I consider myself spoiled because I actually saw the original um, Star Wars movie in the theater. Yeah, know, in in the late '70s. So it's like. I saw yeah. it five
0: times in a theater, which I don't know how I pulled that off at 13, but I did somehow, I guess. Oh, yeah, the yeah. They, they, there wasn't a PG-13 back then, so, you know, they just. No, I just mean without having any money, I talked my parents into giving me money to go see it five times in the theater. Oh. <laughs> but I guess over the period of a year,
1: that wasn't too big of a deal. Oh, no, that's not too bad. I mean, if you can walk down the street or something like that and go in, or they drop you off, and then they can go do whatever they yeah. need to do if you were one of those kids that keep hanging on the cart going grocery shopping you know I want this I want this I want this sure we'll let you go see Star Wars
0: and you know my friend my best friend Mark and I I remember by the third or fourth movie we would sit there we could like quote a bunch of lines from the film so we sort of made it semi Rocky Horror Picture Show whatever (laughs) Darth Vader only you could be so bold (laughs) (laughs) what is it I thought I smelled your
1: foul stench when I first brought on board Something like that. Anyway. Oh, that's right. I, I don't think I've <laughs> ever seen a movie that often in theaters. I don't really actually think I've ever seen a movie more than once in theaters. But, yeah. There's been very I'm few. Dead. I, I have. VHS tape or the DVD.
0: I'm off. And, actually, I do plan to go see the new Star Wars again. I actually want to see it one more time in a the theater, at least. I think it'd be enjoyable. All right. Moving along. So, you have a news item. What's new?
1: What's new with me is... Uh, I picked up this little replica um, microprocessor trainer board at the uh, VCF Midwest. At the same time, I got that Kim trainer board I may have talked about before. Um, I think This so. one's called the OSI three hundred. It's a replica board, but the original OSI three hundred was a sixty-five hundred two cool. microprocessor trainer on the lines of the original Altair. Yeah, it just it just has switches, RAM, you know, switches for address, switches for data, and a run, stop, and load, and stuff like that. So I have a, I have a link in the show notes for this, but I have the board almost finished. It's just a lot of soldering, and I thought I had certain parts when I was uh, before I put this together because there, it's a common um, electronics logic chip. There's a whole series of logic chips out there that were very very common, especially in um, you know hobby electronics from decades ago. Um, they call them TTL logic chips, and I have. Literally, drawers and drawers and drawers full of various logic chips from the same series of uh, chips that they call the 7400 series. And except the four that I need, um, <laughs> I pulled all these chips out of boards I had a long time ago, and I thought I'll never need to go out and buy a 7400 series logic chip. Uh, but now I needed to buy four of them on eBay just to complete this project, and I'm waiting on them now to see how it, this thing works. Because I was. I was listening and looking at the pictures, but did I miss it? So did it not come with those? Well, I could have bought all the parts, but when I looked at the parts list when I was oh, okay. at the show, I know I had the 6502 microprocessor. I know I had the 6264 memory chip, and these I pulled from old circuit boards that somebody gave me as they were tearing apart equipment. I just pulled the chips off, and I recycled the boards. And then there's also another 7402 Logic chip on it, but the 7417s, those are the ones I did not have. Uh, needs four of them, and I got on eBay. I found five of them for seven bucks delivered, so they're on their way. Hmm. But what I did have to buy from the guy uh, is he has the special switches for the address and data lines, and then for the um, the load switch and the reset switch and the run switch, and a couple of those have to be very specific. They have to be what they call make, or break then make, um, or non-shorting, which means as you slide the switch, it actually disconnects everything during the slide of the switch and reconnects the other side. Whereas the other switch is, when you slide from one side to the other, you may be connecting both circuits at the same time, just for an instant. Hmm. And apparently that causes problems when you try to flick the run switch to run the program that you hand entered. Wow. And it's the, the original board, the original design back in the 70s was just a trainer. This just basically reproduces everything in a much smaller uh, board. It's, it's about five inches square. Not very big. And
0: they're only $20 to
1: buy one? Yes. And I think that comes with the switches. Uh, I don't know if it comes with all the parts. I think you might still have to source some of the parts. Okay. Wow. Well, that's pretty neat. It's it's not extravagant. That The Kim one that I have, the Kim one um, replica board does a whole lot more. I mean, it saves its memory. Uh, this one is really, you just, you have to toggle address switches, toggle data switches, write the byte, go to the next address, reset the date, just like the original Altair one. You're flicking all the switches, and then when you turn the thing off or remove the power, it's all gone, and you have to type it all in again, but it it's hardcore 6502 microprocessor um, demonstration with a well, b- bunch of blinking lights. Yeah. Well, I have a, a
0: something to share that someone had sent me and actually forgot to mention it last show. So it's in reference to um, Amstrad. So there's a link in the show notes, and it's uh, it says a uh, a word processor so simple my pa could use it. Joyce turns thirty. And then the subtitle is How Alan Sugar's PCW 8256 Got Tech Into the Hands of the Masses. So that is the Amstrad PCW 8256.
1: And there's that CF2 floppy disk. Yep.
0: And there's a picture of it, the three-inch floppy disk in the picture. Um, So basically, it turned 30 in September, this past September. And it says in 18 months, it did for the typewriter what the car took 30 years to do for the pony and trap. So Alan Sugar's specifications were simple. A word processor so simple, Joyce could use it. Joyce Cal- Calais was his formidable, oh, P-A. Oh, I guess it's a, oh, not PA, but a PA. Personal assistant. Yeah, I guess so. And Joyce became the code name for the project. So, and it goes on to talk about a road that tells us some previous Amstrad computers, which had been huge successes. Um, eh, you know, so check it out. It's just... Uh, Nice yeah, thing to give a little but... more insight into uh, Amstrad and another um, product that was uh, you know, pretty successful in the UK, I, I think. I don't know if it's saying this, but I'm, I'm assuming primarily in Europe.
1: I'm so, going to guess that it is. Uh, it, it's a nice compact design, I guess. Yeah. First, the hardware is inside the monitor itself. It's it actually has...
0: pretty nice looking and kind of unique, huh?
1: Green screen, it kind of looks like you're working with, like, Deskmate on a TRS-80. Yeah. Yeah, it's got its own, um, you know, disk operating system. And Almost like you're working a CPM system. Who knows? It may, it... Have, may have been a core CPM system.
0: Oh, okay. Z80-based, running CPM, when not word processing, and with a monochrome display. Okay. And then you tie that with
1: an Epson printer, and you're all set to go. It's awesome. It is awesome.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, moving along, since we had a very long Star Wars discussion. On today's show, we are beginning our coverage of the 32-bit GUI computers. And so we're starting with the Apple Lisa. And I'm going to quote from Wikipedia. That, contrary to common belief, it was not the first personal computer to offer a graphical user interface in a, machine, in a machine aimed at individual business users. Development of the Lisa began in 1978. The Lisa sold poorly, with only 100,000 units sold. In 1982, after Steve Jobs was forced out of the Lisa project, he joined the Macintosh project. The Macintosh is not a direct descendant of Lisa, although there are obvious similarities between the systems, the final revision the Lisa 210 was modified and sold as the Macintosh XL and i grabbed those uh those out of wikipedia cuz i actually have a problem with <laughs> with two two things they say there which that are not inaccurate per se but it's saying that contrary to common belief it was not the first personal computer to offer a graphical user interface you know blah 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 a machine aimed at individual business owners that is true the xerox star which came out in 1981 was um was that I guess gets that credit. Um, I think the yeah. difference here is the Xerox Star. Off the top of my head, it was it was only marketed to I don't know who, not, certainly not those the, who could afford it. I believe. Well, it cost a lot more money. Not that the was cheap because it wasn't ten thousand dollars, but I know the Star cost even way more money in nineteen eighty one. And it, um, what am I getting at? I, I think it was sold mostly as a as a um, would you call it a workstation. Not like a designer yeah, yeah. engineering workstation, but it was just a different. It just yeah,
1: that's kind of what the idea was back at the time. There weren't personal computers so much so on on desktops, as there were. They they were workstations. They had to sell the point. You know, open up a Byte magazine from a long time ago, and they they they're professional systems. That's what they've been trying to sell. So I guess what I'm getting at is, in my mind, Delisa, not
0: exactly the best analogy or the perfect. Um, parallel, but it's sort of like the Altair. So I think it really does deserve credit as the as the first mass-produced, uh, you know, commercial. It wasn't a success, but you know, it sold almost a well, thousand units. For the public, yeah, that was targeted for a general public and advertised. You know, a graphical user interface with a mouse. Um, I think, like the Altair, you know, yeah, there are some machines that came before it, but it was the first. You know, what you call successful. Because, you know, you, the Lisa somewhat was a failure for Apple because they didn't make a profit on it. They it used so much uh, money to develop it and stuff. But still, it's selling 100,000 units. Can't say it was so, just a total flop.
1: Yeah, it's a fair amount for I know, it. know it's not a
0: lot compared that to like DNA Apple So, and then the second part of this statement is that the Macintosh is not a direct descendant of Lisa. Well, you know, it. I think, uh, I guess commercially, is that how you call it, or... It, it certainly was. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> basically, Steve Jobs got kicked out of the Lisa project. He came over and took over the Macintosh project. And as soon as he got his mitts in there, he said, "It wasn't the Macintosh did not resemble Lisa." And he's like, "Nope, that's not going to work. This is the future." And then he molded the Macintosh into the Lisa's image. Come on, basically, it was a yeah, cheaper, so smaller Lisa.
1: Wikipedia trying to do some revisionist history. Here? Yeah, what are they doing? You need to go in and edit that. Somebody does. I've well, never edited yeah. Wikipedia. You're right. I should. Weren't you able to run Mac OS well, on, on on Elisa if it was
0: configured properly? I, and here's maybe it it what over? they what they meant is that um, obviously you know the Mac OS and Elisa OS were not compatible, so that's true. But I still think it's technically I think the Mac the Mac was a, a direct descendant because it, it utilized all the different um technologies. So mm-hmm. the answer to your question though, Jeff, is so the, the Lisa, when it shipped, it only ran Lisa OS and the Lisa Office system. And then when when the Mac came out and then when they rebranded it in 19 later on in 1985 as the Macintosh XL, the um Apple had developed um uh, Mac Works, it was called, which was a piece of Lisa software that was that ran or is that true? Was it Lisa software? Or it was it was software that the Lisa could run, obviously, I guess it was what we'd call the assembly language or whatever. And then, it, and then it, could, it could make the Lisa run as a Mac, run the okay. Mac OS, one certain version of the Mac OS. So, so it was not quite an emulator, but sort of, I don't know, you know translation or...
1: Yeah, uh, well, they had to convert it to work with the, the memory map and whatever. Yeah, because they both Hard ran 68,000
0: processors and, you know...
1: I think uh, Macintosh is not a direct descendant of Lisa. Yeah, it's like saying the Commodore 64 is not a direct descendant of the, the VIC 20, but they shared some common philosophies. Yeah. so that would be a, a parallel.
0: But Lisa totally influenced the Mac's design as far as how it functioned. Yeah, Commodore didn't change the Commodore 64 case very much for the VIC 20. So I kind of say the Macintosh was an improved Lisa, and then they, you know, they started from scratch with the operating system.
1: Yeah, they made it smaller. They made it. They fit it better and gave it a brighter screen. And...
0: But I, I've, on different podcasts and throughout time and in my book and everything, I've told my story, of course, of my, my first computer that I considered my first real full system computer was an Apple Lisa that I bought. And uh, it was new old stock and it ran the Mac operating system. So for all practical purposes, my, my Lisa was uh, a Mac. So one limitation when running MacWorks Plus, it was called at the time. It had been enhanced, and it ran System 6 in 1989 at that time. Um, it's one limitation. So I had no problem running Mac software other than games. So if you ever tried to run something that that directly addressed the sound circuitry of the Mac, it would crash to Lisa. You couldn't do that. it wasn't there. Right, because it just flat wasn't there. But anything else, no problem, business software especially.
1: So you had the best of both worlds as as
0: much as you can get it. Oh, for me, I loved it because it had a 12-inch screen compared to the 9-inch on the regular Mac. And and I was mostly interested in doing uh, desktop publishing and stuff, so it was perfect for that.
1: Now Macintoshes are up to what? They have 30-inch screens, 32?
0: Yeah. Wall screens. Now Macs, they just
1: project it straight into your mind. displays (laughs) displays <laughs> oh that would be great yeah, be, some, they're that advanced <laughs> they could they could partner with google and get that re- revitalize the google glass and, and uh, have it project right into your mind so we got some some uh listener feedback how about that yes and some of it we missed the last show or oh. i missed the last show because i didn't look through so we're gonna fix that today i guess this first one is the one we missed um uh, i'm it's, trying to remember
0: it's about the cremeco saver and all that, or did we do that? No, well, let's see. We'll just say that one or more. I'll just read this. All <laughs> right, so I'll read the first one. And you read the second one. So this first one is from Theo and Theo Kara Giris. Kara Giris. That's, that's best I can. Seems think close. Of, so apologies if we mess that up. Great to hear your discussion of the Chromimco 8K Bitesaver. I have two of these boards that I use in my Altair. In the early stages of getting the Altair operational, I found the Bytesaver invaluable for loading serial, echo, and bootloader programs when testing serial cards. I saved a heap of time and stress from not having to load these programs via the front panel every time. When I finally got my Altair operational with a working serial card, I could store 8K basic entirely on the Bitesaver and transfer it to memory with the flick of a few switches. I can imagine what a breakthrough these cards were back in the day when the alternative was to use a mixture of front panel data entry and paper tape. The only problem with using an eight K byteSaver today is that the 2708 EEPROMs are hard to work with. There are quite a few inexpensive EEPROM programmers around, but none of them will work with the 2708 EPROMs. A good solution is to replace the difficult 2708s with 2716s. Much easier to work with. I've written a guide on this here. Okay, good. So we have to post that. <laughs> also just a point of interest the Bitesaver saver in the ebay ad is missing the program power switch in the top left corner this switch would be required to use it properly wow considering that a 200 dollars price tag is quite expensive see a picture of one of mine here with the switch keep up the good work how about that that's good information
1: yeah and then and his information about the uh eproms yeah i have an eprom programmer i plan on using it to create custom roms for my pinball machines and 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 multi-cart chip uh Multi, uh, yeah, multi-game cartridges for my uh, gaming systems and stuff, and I haven't been doing much with it lately. lately but yeah, he's right. Seventy-two oh eight e-proms, that if I recall, is eight kilobit or kilobyte. I forget the actual size, uh, and they're very small by today's standards. And I can see where it would be hard to work with those since oh, no, it would have to be eight k, because that's what they're calling it, eight k byte Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. It could be eight kilobyte or b- bits. It, it really depends. But yeah, you're right. It's probably eight kilobytes. Yeah. You know, I could do a quick look up and find out. But either way, it's it's small by comparison because then you have yeah. the 2716s, 2732s, 2764s, mm-hmm. uh, and they all have the the increasing amount of uh, storage on them. Uh, are those right, easy,
0: are those easy I, to get? Uh, like, like the replacements
1: you know, he mentions? You can actually get a lot of these things from. Like old like 286 or 386 motherboards, the the, the PROMs or the the BIOS chips may be uh, EPROMs. They'll have like a piece of tape covering a glass window. Not really suggesting
0: people cannibalize classic computers, are you? Oh, it's
1: just a 386. (laughs) (laughs) The old clones, right? (laughs) No, I wouldn't... Because most of the other, you know, the 8-bit, 32-bit classic systems, they they had... uh, you know they didn't have e in most of those they they were just you know hmm. basically die uh i would say die cut I, it's too early Saturday morning for me to think of the right word um but basically they're they're mass groms, what they call them they're they're made permanent they're, they they cannot be erased but hmm. yeah, those boards I was telling you about earlier that I was pulling parts from I got lots of um seventy six sixteens 64s out of that Uh, I know the 2708s um, are very hard to work with because I think it's the pin arrangement. And I actually have an EEPROM programmer that will work with those directly, but I don't have the software to drive it because it's that old. I mean, do they go bad? Well, the EEPROMs, the ones that have the glass window, you need to erase them with ultraviolet light. And this is ultraviolet light that can hurt your eyes if you stare at it. It's not like the uh, black lights that you can buy to, you know, make your room all day glow. Um, (laughs) So you have to get a special, um, like, eraser for them. You just put these in a drawer. The drawer lights up when it's it's shut. And after an amount of time, the bits get erased through the ultraviolet light. Now, you can overdo that. But once they're written and they're covered up, they pretty much last forever. There, there might be some anomalies, but they pretty much last forever. As long as you don't like remove the tape wow. over top of that glass. So yeah, oh. fluorescent light can and sunlight can slowly erase them, but just not very fast at doing it. So they can go bad. Yeah. But yeah, I have one of those erasers. So I just put a bunch in there and I erase them and I put them in my EEPROM programmer that hooks up to a modern PC through USB port and I can read and it'll tell me if it's all empty. And if it's empty, then I can write my own code to it or write my own data to it. Cool. I even have a card for the Apple II that does that. I just don't have the software for it. We'll read our feedback from, from Gary. Okay. Yes. We got to keep moving.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, I haven't had breakfast
1: yet, Jeff. Oh, I did. I got up early. Oh, really? (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I feel fine. Um, I'm drinking uh, coffee. I'm okay. Next, next uh, feedback we got is by a gentleman named Gary Kind, um, and I'll just read it verbatim. He says, "Just catching up with all your podcast goodness and loving it. Big retro fan and thought I would give my perspective as a Brit on the side of the pond. Excellent. And that is good because." That's always something that we don't understand completely over here on on the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, being all uh, con-
0: superior and everything. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, continuing on, uh, he says. So I thought I would just pick up on a few things you mentioned on the shows I listened to so far. Um, and he mentions a bunch of different systems, he itemizes them. So, first one, Vic 20 goes, This was my second computer after having owned a ZX81, and boy, did I love that machine! I remember playing Galaxians on cartridge, and it was a pretty faithful recreation of the arcade game. I also had Radar Rat Race on, on cartridge, and, and I did too. Um, me speaking again, I I love that's one of the things I loved about the Vic 20. The Radar Rat Race was oh, just yeah. an amazing game. Um, and he well, so says there's a clone of Rally X, which was a,
0: an awesome arcade game. I have that. And, and one it's a my very little...
1: close clone in, in the music and everything.
0: Yeah, and that's a lot of fun. One of those really great simple games that's just challenging and fun.
1: Kept me busy playing it because I couldn't. I didn't actually have the cartridge myself. I went into the local Montgomery Ward's and played it on their demonstration machine a lot. Wow, kept me out. Kept me. I didn't have to spend money at the arcade. Oh well, back back to uh, uh, Gary's words here. He says uh, anyway. Not sure if you had it in the U.S. And I bring this up. As you reminded me of the hassle with games only working with certain memory expansions, I had a switchable memory expansion pack. That's right. You can switch between 4K, 8K, and 16K modes. So that was a great little cartridge to own. And and yeah, I have one of those too. It's got little switches on the top that you can reconfigure like up to 16K or 32K of memory in any bank that you needed to because some of the programs you typed in from um, magazines would only work on an unexpanded VIC-20 because the memory map got readjusted or you needed to have a certain amount of expansion. It, it was a little difficult at first, uh, but people worked their way around it. Anyway, continuing on, he talks about the Commodore 64. Massive over here, he says. Launched at uh, 345 pounds, then dropped to 199 pounds in sold like Hotcakes. Probably my favorite machine and one I revere to uh, this day. I uh, learned quite a bit that I didn't know about this machine from your show, so thanks for that. Well, I'm glad we could be helpful. Um, yeah, 64, the, the Commodore 64, I, I, I did hear all those stories that it was just the hottest thing in, in Europe, all, all over the place. It's just a huge scene there while we had our Commodore and Atari and Apple battles here in the US. And another popular machine, he continues on about the ZX Spectrum. He says, Yes, can't underestimate how popular this was in the UK. It was massive. The home computing scene circa 82, 83. Uh, really was only a two-horse race between the Specky and the C64. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you have seen it, and it's required watching for all retro fans, is Micromen, a drama that tells the story of the battle between Sinclair and... and Acorn. Acorn? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. I'm thinking Alcorn as I'm reading this. Uh, Fortunately, the full-length program is on YouTube, and he provides a link, uh, which will be included in the show notes. The irony is both companies failed when they moved into each other's market space. Sinclair going up market with the QL and failing, and Acorn going down market with the Electron. And and, and how about that? I never quite uh, realized that. He
0: puts it so simply. um, Yeah, I mean, I never quite understood that, even from watching the, the movie but that's that's interesting isn't it how they i knew that the ql was a big uh upset for Sinclair by realizing an eggcore trying to go into the other other market but um you've seen yeah, we've is a good point we've brought up this before right i've talked to i brought, up, we brought the, up
1: the movie before but it's still a good movie so
0: oh yeah but i'm saying it's it is a great movie yeah so highly recommend anyone to watch that it's definitely sort of the the uh UK equivalent of, um, you know, Pirates of Silicon Valley eh, or catch fire. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the whole jobs, you know, gates sort of story here, if you will, if you want to simplify it that way and then versus them,
1: but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, not a problem. And uh, let's see, he continues on bad things about the ZX. Really? The built-in speaker was poor. The sound chip was capable, but the output was l- lousy. I, my uncle had a, uh, Timex Sinclair Spectrum, which I believe is very similar, and yeah, it, it made noise, but it was really tiny, mm-hmm. tinny, you know, really small sounding. If you can say that for a sound, yeah. Um, the keyboard divided, uh, the keyboard divided opinion, but it was uh, a massive improvement over the 80, the ZX80, and the ZX81. Of course, it was because it had real keys compared to that flat membrane, um, and you couldn't move Specy games. Uh, though there was something ridiculous, like twelve thousand titles. Uh, available, I, I guess what he means there is uh, there were so many games available that you couldn't really sell them all. Hmm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to get from this. Maybe, maybe uh, he'll respond and, and clarify that, but I'm thinking it's more on the lines of like what caused the video game crash in the U.S. for the Atari market. Back in 84, there oh. was just everybody was making games, and there were so many of them, nobody could sell them. They yeah. Selling for a profit. They ended up having to drop the prices and crash the market. Hmm. 12,000 titles available for a computer. Oh, it was big. Very big. Um, and he goes on with another system, the TRS 80 and the Coco. Interestingly, we never got the Coco, not officially. Stores in the UK were called Tandy and not Radio Shack, and the only ones you could buy were TRS 80 Model 1, 2, and 3. Uh, so only the integrated systems. Perhaps That's they weird. thought they couldn't compete price wise with the Specky and the and the C sixty four, so went up market. You know more business related stuff. As you say, we had the Dragon thirty two, which was a clone that was quite popular too. Although I remember the high res color palette meant everything had a green background. Huh. I, I wasn't familiar with that, but um, yeah, the Dragon thirty two was was a clone for the Coco and a very good clone at that. Uh, and he says he has yet to listen to our ZX80 Adam and BBC podcasts, uh, but he'll get to them real soon. So that'll be, be great. Uh, you know, please listen to our stuff. Yeah. And he also mentions other machines over in the UK that had limited success: was the Oric One, okay. the Jupiter Ace, and the Computers Lynx.
0: Huh.
1: I haven't heard of the last one. And he encourages us to keep it up, which we will do.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Gary. That's great. Yeah, and please com- continue the comment. Tell us more about either what we got right or we missed or, you know, from the, the UK perspective, because obviously we're, we live over here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that UK perspective, it was very useful. And uh, when I first read through it, I thought, okay, I had a slightly different opinion of what it was like in the UK, but he did clear up a few points.
0: Uh, and I don't know if we, um, when we were covering, or when we did that show, I guess where we, we've we done the shows with some of the English computers, I guess, were we both sort of talking from a perspective of sort of like Commodore didn't really exist that, that big over there. I don't remember now, but I, I guess we should have known better. i have to better.
1: go back and listen to it again. Cause, um, uh,
0: yeah. Cause I knew Commodore was pretty big in, in, in Europe. Well, you spent a
1: year in Germany. Doing yeah. Right. I, and I remember seeing, you've seen that.
0: Yeah. And I even bought one of my, uh, through eBay some, some time ago, I bought a, uh, a German 64 magazine that I had bought right. a few times in Germany to, just to flip through. It's called yeah. 64-er.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm kind of made it myself. But I, I, I spent a year in Turkey uh, for the U.S. Army, and the computers I did see were Commodore computers. And yeah. they, had, they had Turkish versions of Commodore magazines, and I never even thought of buying one.
0: So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to look up what were the actual sales numbers of, like, uh, Sinclair and Acorns as compared to Commodore, though, and Amstrad. Hmm, maybe I'll Sounds try to good.
1: look, yeah. A great master's degree research project. See, we, I gotta come up with a, a master's degree in vintage computing. I, do you
0: think you'd seriously try to do that or no? I know some people have done <laughs> if it. I, if I can find a school that, that
1: will oh. uh, sanction it. So let's move right along to yes. uh, our, to our auctions. auctions. Just gotta keep it moving. The whole reason why we have this podcast going right now.
0: Yeah. But I think it's I think it's good. We're finding a nice balance of uh of bringing back in a little more discussion and history and stuff balanced with you know the auctions still play a major role in the podcast. So I I like I like what we're doing. Oh, it works for me
1: too. Um lots of so Apple I'll, Lisa 2s this time. Yes. Yeah, Lisa 2s. I'm not too familiar with Lisa 1s. Yeah, I didn't um, see any. So I assume you didn't either. And they don't and come up I very often. I was surprised how many there were on eBay, how many Lisa 2s there were. So mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm continuing on with what I normally do. I pick finished auctions where I think you, David, were kind of picking live auctions. And it kind of seems to work because uh, we don't pick I, each other's auctions. Okay. Options. I picked all, all closed ones. Okay. This time. But go ahead. All right. My first one, it's titles really simple, rare, because that's what people have to put on eBay. Yeah. Apple Lisa 2 computer and then very collectible. And this one sold for fifteen hundred dollars.
0: You know, did it sell? That's the thing. It this says one's sold killing for... me now. Did it say that? Oh, you're right, you're right. How come can... it doesn't even list at all Okay, anyway, go ahead, I'm sorry. So it does <laughs> say it's sold Not for. Okay, good.
1: Fifteen hundred dollars uh, of sold from Winona, Minnesota. And other than a bit of yellowing, it looks mostly complete. It powers up. Oh, it has a screen problem. God. It has banding in the screen, vertical banding. Oh, uh, no. I don't know if that's a a memory map issue or because that looks a little too. I I, I want to look... say
0: that that's that's a tube thing.
1: Yeah, see, it just it doesn't. I don't it think that's tied with me because I don't see banding in the blank spot to the left of the actual image. That almost looks like that whatever maps the screen yeah has bad uh bad. Mm-hmm bits and it, I can see on the right hand side of the image of one of them, the, it, you can see it curling up a little bit on the edge, but I'm thinking that banding has to do with the memory map, something, some way that the, um, the memory map or the memory is arranged to map the screen. Yeah. And I wouldn't think has it's the a pattern tube. that does those vertical lines. I don't think it's a
0: tube. I think it's yeah, yeah. right. It's something in the analog board. It doesn't it's show it's a keyboard. It yeah. It them, says oh, it keyboard. includes there's it. Okay. I,
1: that's weird. They wouldn't take any pictures of it. Uh, so the keyboard, and mouse, everything, um, nicely bronzed and tanned. So it must have been in the Caribbean for a few weeks, um, mm-hmm. and I, it still it sold for fifteen hundred dollars with that little bit of screen problem. And that could be something as simple as maybe a you know, bad memory chip or a, a bad trace that needs to be fixed. One that ox- you know, maybe there's, is there a battery in these things that could leak? And yes, start, okay, so maybe that. Yeah, happens.
0: notoriously there are four obviously they're not double A's, but they look like sealed double A's and there's, or it's three, it's either three or four. And, um, you know, most of these you'll find with them clipped off at this point, cause they've all corroded. Yeah. You know, if you don't
1: rem- have removed them, they corrode all over the that So maybe board. It corroded over a data line or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, it does say in the auction that batteries were removed, so they, they probably were corroded. I, I'm really surprised. So first off the seller
0: only had one feedback. Um, oh yeah, there we go. So this sold in October. I I, I find it hard to believe that someone paid fifteen hundred bucks for this thing, because for to me, I mean, fifteen hundred dollars. I, I don't think fifteen hundred dollars is is insane at all if it if it all works correctly. But being that it's a little bit dirty and it's you know couldn't the person wiped it down and then it doesn't even uh
1: it has a screen issue and it's not booting. I, I'm yeah. surprised it sold for that much. He his feedback is as a buyer so the person who bought this thing didn't give him feedback huh? or it's been hidden yeah i guess that's quite the possibility but But it is very collectible and rare it yeah (laughs) yes yes it is and it just goes goes to show you that these well, well we'll see how what kind of range there is on the prices of these things and what condition. So I'm going to move on to another.
0: Oh, I want to point out one thing though. Sure. That was
1: interesting about it.
0: And um, if you go, you know, if you, you click across, whoops, it's in the first set of pictures. So it's this, like the second picture. Oh, actually, if yeah, in the second picture, when the back, the back is still on it, you see, how has the cable coming out. Yes. And then that's plugged in. So basically um, like my Lisa, which was uh, a new old stock uh, Lisa, Uh, Sunry Marketing had upgraded it and put a a hard drive in it and uh, mounted a hard drive under the three and a half inch floppy disk. And basically, it had a cable that came out much neater than that. It just barely came out from underneath the cover, not through that slot. And so basically, it's a parallel hard drive. So it's plugged into the parallel port. So that's what that is. I'm assuming that is too. Do you think the price of
1: this reflects the fact that it may have additional hardware? Uh, Well, it does have some extra cards in it and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, he just calls it miscellaneous expansion card. So maybe maybe the buyer recognized something and said, yeah, I got to have that. Well, and also if you go to the
0: picture next to it where now the back is off. Yes. So actually, I'm not sure if that's the CPU board that the battery's on. But if you look in the bottom right, those are where, oh, that's where the batteries battery. went. Okay. So those are where that's where the batteries were that got clipped off. Yeah, if you zoom in,
1: you can see where it says battery. So I wonder where uh, the RAM would be. Is there a battery yeah, so this back is, uh, up on the RAM board too?
0: And you know, and also if you look at that board, it looks like it's got like some additional little uh, wires that have been soldered in. And that's
1: that's not unusual. That that could have either been a repair, yeah, or it could have been um, last a number minute of updates without have you know at the factory, and that's not unusual uh, for for some items that are manufactured this way. That they have found that there's a problem with a set of boards. They can either scrap all the boards and redo them perfectly, or they can just oh, hire somebody it, to put jumper wires in a few Well, steps.
0: actually, and let me point. So this board here, I think, is... So you have four boards in here. You have, the, you have two RAM boards, you have a CPU board, and then you have an I.O. board, I think is what you call it. I think that's what this board is. I don't think that's the CPU. It could be. But take a look at that board. Look in the upper left. Do you see the little chip with the white... Yeah, that's an EEPROM. Yeah, and that is a Sigma Systems. Is that what that says? I don't think, or does it say Sunry Marketing? Does it look like to you in the middle? Um, That that's either the ROM chip has been swapped out by for Sunry Marketing, or it could be where it was upgraded, where it could run a a later version of MacWorks, um, MacWorks or something like that. You can't really see it well enough. Um, Sigma Systems, I think I'm getting it right. They
1: made upgrades and stuff. Oh, so, okay, like almost like bias upgrades in a way. Yeah,
0: because okay. the big thing with Lisa owners was being able to like move into uh, System 7 when that came out okay. and add Accelerator and, and stuff like that later so on. So the
1: personality of the system had to be changed slightly and so you plug in reprogrammed EPROMs. I was trying to see the look up Sigma if I'm getting that name right.
0: But anyway, that's kind of interesting.
1: So, yeah, I'm thinking the buyer probably found something through the pictures that they wanted and and went for it.
0: Yeah, could be.
1: Uh, Next item is surprise. Oh, uh, yeah. Another Lisa. This one hasn't been treated all that well. Um, Now, maybe as a parts machine, it might have been worth it.
0: But, yeah, that thing is. It looks like it's been sitting in water. Did we maybe see this one other time? I don't I, recall. I thought I remember us looking at Elisa and it was all, no, looking unless, rusty it was. Unless you found
1: one, but this one sold. Yeah, that thing is... Well, big... Maybe we did look at it, but uh, yeah, this one looks like it's been sitting in a basement that got about an inch of water.
0: Oh, look, and it's got the... Ba- oh, it's really bad. But look, it's got the uh, batteries on the board.
1: Oh, I see them. Yeah, there's... Um... Oh, I can't even zoom in. The guy doesn't have... Oh, there we go. Oh, man. I mean, look how... Batteries don't look too bad. The boards look pretty good. Yeah, it's almost like though Because I'm looking at the lower part where the uh, bo- uh, boards go into their bus plane. Uh-huh. That's where it's all rusty. This must have been sitting in about two inches of water. It's bad.
0: I mean, I guess if somebody who really wanted to take the time, I guess you could clean it up. I don't know about those connectors, but you could, well, you could probably fix the case. dollars Yeah. Is that a good deal? Oh, well... I yeah, you pieced it out so, for that much. You know what? If the, if it turned out the power supply, the power supply, if you, it worked or you could get it working, it's that's worth about that much almost.
1: And then the card cage, and then vending the cards or parts out of there. And that's basically what this, what the Lisa was like. It's almost like a, an S one hundred system. It's got a, a back backplane and cards that perform all the functions, and then it just has the built-in monitor yeah, and yeah. And actually, so Jeff,
0: I'm not sure if you're if you're familiar with this, or if anybody else isn't in the um listening to us but so if you look at the picture of the back of the lisa and so look at the power supply and just below where the power plug would plug in do you see there's a little thumb screw there yes so you could unscrew that and you could slide that whole thing out okay that explains some of the auctions
1: i've seen for the power supplies for these things and
0: if you look at the 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 lisa you can see the board it's sort of inside a black frame right and then you see the i o ports below it and that's the card cage yeah if you look right above the the you know, like right below the batteries and right above the the I/O slots. It looks like there's like a bar there. Yeah. So basically, again, you have two thumb screws, and uh, or do you have thumbs? No, you don't have thumb screws here because once you've taken the back off, but you take your hands on those like that little bar and with your thumbs, and that whole thing just slides out. So if you if you slide the power supply out, that card cage will also slide out and basically leaving the inside of the case pretty. You empty. I mean, this rusty flaky bar at the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this was sitting on its back in water. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now that I'm looking, look at the, um, the bottom, excuse me, of the board
1: itself and the connector card. Yeah. This, this was not treated well. I'm wondering if water dripped in across the back. You know, one thing they don't show is the back panel of this computer.
0: It makes me mad.
1: <laughs> I bet it does. Yeah. There's, they're not showing, Oh no, there's a back panel. Okay. He shows it with the, uh, I mean, you, can see it, of, you can see a picture of the person's basement a little bit.
0: Did you Did you read what um, the guy said? He said, um, I'm going to see if I can power it up when it comes in from PA. But the owner did say there is no water damage that it sat in <laughs> a warehouse, but the inside is very clean. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, the, it, the pictures prove that, right?
1: It had to have
0: water damage to get the, for that to happen,
1: don't you yeah, think or so? Or a very moist environment. Maybe somebody ran a humidifier um, and it's starting to, you know, starting to rust from the outside in. Look, item location:
0: Oceanside, New York. Okay, um, <laughs> that's yeah. sea seawater. Sea, yeah, sea air. Mist,
1: yeah, sea air. That that would definitely rust it. So yeah, maybe it wasn't sitting in water. Maybe it's just humid. Because uh, yeah, even cars. You know, cars. Yeah. Rust. Oh yeah. 1970s cars. Yeah.
0: At uh, the you Yeah, know, I grew up in. Jacksonville, Florida. So I remember seeing all kinds of cars with the bottoms of the doors and the bottom of the bodies just rusted out.
1: You're breathing a saline solution every day, and yeah, that's not going to be good for computer systems, especially if the humidity creeps up and doesn't, and you can't clear the air. Well, that was an interesting find. Uh, yeah. For 185 dollars, I don't know um, if it went for 100 bucks. I might even try to restore something like that for 100 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've done board repair already. I, I had to do that for my Amiga 2000 when uh, a battery leaked and it started rusting away at the traces. I, I repaired those. It's not fun, but it doesn't mean that the whole board needs to be thrown away either. So, the next item, um, Apple Lisa 1 advertisement brochure. And it says 1983 LisaGraph. I don't know if this is an advertisement for the software LisaGraph or what. Hmm. It, it looks like it is. It, it's just a piece of ephemera. Um, so there was an application called LisaGraph. 50 which, bucks. 50 bucks just for the advertisement? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, well, it's just something I found. I didn't want to take I know, it's the, nice. the actual system auctions, but... I, and, I never knew about, I, I don't know much about the Lisa software. You would be the expert on that. Well, and I, I'm not an expert, but I think,
0: I think Lisa graph. So there's a brochure here. Cause I believe it was one of the few extra pieces of software that you had to purchase. So uh, it wasn't part of the Lisa office system.
1: I don't think. Okay. But, so you had to, if you wanted to do, according to these pictures, it looks like you did all sorts of pie charts and bar graphing and, um, I forget the name. There was a piece of uh, PC software that did something similar. You, you had Lotus uh, and you can do all your spreadsheets and some limited graphics, but there was another add-on application you could buy, which would make your graphs a lot prettier a lot more detailed. I forget the name of it, but this looks like one of those kind of add-on pieces.
0: I was trying to quickly find something about, you know, at least the office system to see what all it came with. Um, because you know, I've owned a number of leases over the years and I've had Lisa Graph on them, but whether that means it actually, you know, legitimately
1: shipped with leases. Am I thinking of Harvard graphics?
0: Oh, with similar
1: the... Yeah. Yeah, where it took your data from, you know, the your primary office suite and then prettied them up and put them into a great presentation form.
0: Right. A lot of people, you know, we forget how this that whole capability wasn't just built into your spreadsheet. You know, right. way back, yep. it was something yep. magical and new. So, yeah, Harvard then. Graphics
1: was a pioneering presentation presentation program developed for mm-hmm. DOS and Microsoft Windows by Software Publishing Corporation. So, yeah, it Lisa Graff or Lisa, yeah, Lisa Graph was a similar product, and I guess you know it was a separate product because they knew they could make money selling it that way.
0: Yeah. So, but you know what? Anyone out there who is a you know, bigger expert on the Lisa office system, please give us feedback. Tell yeah, us more. Us.
1: So uh, uh, we, we just don't know much about this.
0: Like I said, I've never, system. I don't think I've ever owned the actual Lisa office system, like the the software itself, as far as in the manuals and the you know the the boxes and all that. But I've had you know I've had a real operating Lisa with the software on there, and that doesn't mean that someone didn't you know I mean that it wasn't oh, yeah, exactly like
1: it shipped. It's fun when you get them with all the software installed.
0: Yeah. Which you know, let's face it, most of us, are, you know, if, if you bought a really nicely lease all up, you know, all set up and working stuff, it, it might come with that, though it may not have shipped with that originally. But, um,
1: well, show us what a nice working lease is like.
0: Yeah, now I found some pretty big price tag stuff. Let's see, what did I find here? This first one, okay. So here is one that just sold uh, on the twelfth of December for thirty three hundred and twenty one dollars. Now, did it yes. sell? Yeah, it sold, sold okay. for okay one, one bid. Three. Really? Right
1: For that specific amount. Yeah. 3321. Well, so, I guess, uh, I guess the seller got that extra dollar. 1985
0: did. Apple Lisa 2 has mouse, keyboard, and a printer. Oh, really? The only For...
1: yellowing of this is from the incandescent lighting they used to take its picture. So, it's tested and
0: working great. Um, let's see. Yeah, so it looks nice, pretty clean. So nice it's the right screen. So, I'm just looking through the pictures. Uh, I hadn't really looked at it in great detail, to be honest. 10 meg hard drive and upgraded RAM. Yes, yeah, a very nice machine. Um, gosh, 3,300 bucks though. That's really they were so they're worth over three thousand dollars nowadays.
1: Somebody wanted example. one. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking that
0: because it's not yellowed. And you know what's kind of ironic about this? At least it, I'll say is if you get one like this, that all functions and everything's really nice. You know the odds every every moment. The odds just go up more and more it's going to fail at any moment. Is that how, <laughs> that how they were? No, no. Just because it's it's just getting older. Yeah. <laughs> they don't change the capacitors in it. I mean, it's just inevitable, right? That all hardware is going to stop working.
1: Yeah, eventually. But the latest thing is these days, people are always encouraging you to change the capacitors yeah. in the system. And that will prolong the life. Yeah. Um, I wish I could do that. I wish humans could do something like that. Um, but yeah, and, and I'm one of those people that I'll just turn it on and see what pops. And and only wh- because I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable with fixing what pops because it's usually just going to be a capacitor.
0: And were you talking, was it, Jeff, was it,
1: was it on our show or were you talking about how, isn't there, isn't there somebody who like provides that service? There are people who provide that service. I, I know there's some for the Amiga platform, and you can find them on eBay. They they advertise their services. They're called recapping services. Yeah. And yeah. You know, if I had the time to do that, I would probably do recapping services. It's something that I can do, I just don't like to do because there's a lot of. Well, know, I think you owe us
0: uh, the public this this public service. I know. <laughs> with some of that old solder, it's really hard to. Yo, the the collecting yeah. public. All right, so moving along. So let's see, my second one, and is labeled vintage Apple Lisa computer model A six S O two hundred with keyboard mouse, and three floppy disks. Now this I one sold. It, it doesn't say rare. This one just sold on the twenty second for two thousand and twenty five dollars. So you know, hey, a much better deal, right? Yeah. That's actually sounding a little more reasonable. It's still two thousand bucks, but and now uh, you know. Let me just say too, and I'm trying to think here. You know, all my leases I've owned, which I'm, I've had about four, I think, over the years, I've sold them. You know, ultimately, ended up selling them. Um, unfortunately, I would have liked to have kept them, but it was like a financial thing. I want to say my last one, which was a really nice Lisa with a profile hard drive and all that, and ran a Lisa software and Mac. I think I sold it for like twenty four hundred dollars. So it wasn't unusual even a few years ago to get over $2,000 for a really nice one.
1: So it was an investment, yet, uh, one that pays back.
0: Now, so looking at the very first picture here, it, it looks to be a pretty nice example. One thing, oh, we haven't spoken about this. One thing I'll point out to you, Jeff, and the viewing mm-hmm. audience is uh, that is a Mac mouse. That is not the original Lisa mouse that's with it. So okay. Th- so that works just fine. But the original Lisa mouse had a uh, has a very thin bar button. And, you know, it looks a little different. And it would probably raise the price another $200. So, yeah. One the, you know, I, it's, I wouldn't think it's it's unreasonable. let so what's like that a, off to the left side? Is that a power strip? Yeah, it looks like a power strip. Okay. But somebody could, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say, you could probably sell an Apple Lisa mouse for a, hundred, a couple hundred bucks. And I'm just looking through some of the pictures. So, yeah, that's a Mac mouse. And it surprised me, too, people get this much money. You know, I always wipe my stuff down. I don't want to be too yeah, harsh but it has a little bit of smudging and yeah, stuff. Yeah, when you see just it. obvious surface dirt. I mean a little Windex and elbow grease gets set off. Now also do they mention Oh, another thing too is I don't I'm not seeing the bottom of the keyboard. Do they mention anything about the keyboard having uh you know, the little cards? I didn't. I wasn't Cause aware because that of that's kind of an important thing for collectors. It has little slide out cards. that has helpful Apple Lisa stuff. Oh,
1: okay. I wasn't aware of that. See, I learned something today.
0: And uh, so, as a collector, and you want to really, you want a perfect Lisa, then you want it to have those card, those helpful cards that slide out from the keyboard. Those
1: cards uh, get lost as, as like as yeah, like a I've seen them where they got pulled off. So the cards are like in what a plastic tray that slides out, and people lose the whole tray. With the cards? Or uh, not it... a
0: tray, but they're like in a little slider slot or whatever. There's okay. like four so or five like cards. So it's a card, right? Yeah. And then, okay. and then it's, some people pulled them out over the years. Yeah, they got many lost. How people making
1: repros of those cards?
0: Um, so if you look at the pictures, if you scroll all the way down to the very bottom picture, do you yeah. see it shows the testing screen, which all leases do when they start up? Yes. They, and
1: it looks like he's overdriving the brightness of the screen, too. I see yeah. that. Rescan or the retrace lines.
0: So I haven't looked this up in a while, and I forget exactly what it means. so I'm going to take a, sh- a guess here. But do you see the 3A in the upper right?
1: Oh nope. wait, am I looking at the right
0: one here? So the very last picture above questions and answers. So there's okay. A, there it is. There's a yeah. 3A. So I could be wrong. I know it means something. But so I'm going to take, I'm going to make an assumption that I think that means that like my, my very first original lease I had, the ROMs were swapped out and this has got Mac ROMs in it that support the 800K double density disk drive. Now okay. the, I'm making this assumption that may not mean what that means, but if you scroll up another picture, if you look at the four diskettes, notice that it has the Sun Remarketing MacWorks Plus, same one I oh, had, yeah, and the MacWorks Plus utilities. So this is exactly what mine ran, system 6.02. It could only run that. You could never upgrade your Mac operating system. So uh, so you know, and you can never go back. No, right, exactly. Oh, so one of the things that summer marketing did is uh, that Apple didn't do initially is they also um, they would change the, the display so it changed it into square pixels like the Mac had. The Lisa actually had rectangular pixels originally. And oh, uh, and once you did that, you could not run the Lisa software anymore. It wouldn't look right. And then once you changed the ROMs out, you flat out couldn't
1: run Lisa software. It wouldn't work anymore. So you're thinking this system is designed to run only Macintosh stuff instead of? Macintosh.
0: I well, if it's got, it's a good possibility if it's got that, um, yeah, you know, the MacWorks Plus with it. Because once once you went the MacWorks Plus, see, this is 800K diskette. Yeah then that means it has that ROM and it has the double-density disk drive. Lisa's had 400K drives like the original Max. Okay. So once you made those changes to it, it couldn't run the Lisa operating system anymore.
1: Well, somebody really wanted this. I'm looking at the QA at the bottom of this. Uh, somebody asked the question, we're a museum in Switzerland, like to bid on this and pay all transport costs to Switzerland. Uh, so they asked if they could have it sent to uh, Switzerland if it was sold. And the guy oh. said, no, I'm not going to send it outside the U.S., yeah, it's just too much hassle nowadays. Well, it's Too I much think. at stake. Yeah, right. There's only certain protections once you, you know, send it out outside the U.S., especially when payment is, you know, certain types yeah. of payment are used. Unfortunately.
0: All right, so I'll move on to my last one here. So this one is so that was two thousand. This one I found is labeled vintage lisa apple 210 with lisa keyboard mouse it only sold for 385 dollars um on the 21st and uh because it's shrink wrapped yeah oh yeah it does have shrink wrap doesn't it on the mouse and the keyboard it, it looks like somebody took some saran
1: wrap around that now thing. check
0: it out that looks like that's another original look how dirty it is on the bottom now if you look on the well, I know Ooh, yeah, I'm not finishing little... complete sentences here. Hold on. Let me look at the, the, the pictures again. It's that Saturday morning thing. <laughs> so. Indeed. All right. It says uh use condition. Lisa computer includes Lisa computer keyboard and a mouse. They don't tell you if it works. Oh, it says it does not. It, it light comes on, but screen doesn't. It's in the oh, condition at the time. Okay. Well, there you go. Now, one thing, if you look, I don't see where it doesn't show you the mouse. Why is it only showing you the bottom of the mouse? I wonder if they see this person did this on purpose, but I will tell you if you look at the mouse, okay. Yeah. The fact that it's got those big thumb screws,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm pretty certain that's not the Lisa mouse. It's a Mac mouse. Oh yeah. Actually you can look, it says M O 100. That's an, that's a Macintosh mouse, but get this. That's the original Macintosh mouse. That's a one twenty eight Macintosh mouse. And I, I think that mouse is worth, you know what I mean? You could probably get a hundred bucks for the mouse. Interesting. So, Fifty to hundred bucks for that mouse. So, in those your are semi-rare opinion, but it's not a Lisa.
1: If mouse. it power's if the power light comes on but the screen doesn't, could it? Or the odds are it's just maybe a minor fix, or maybe swapping a board or reseating parts that could fix it. And this I, person didn't want to do that. I'll tell you one of the. Um,
0: so I never experienced that problem because obviously that's a more major thing—the screen not coming on.
1: Obviously the power supply works.
0: What I know with the, you know, with the Macintosh, which this isn't one, you know, the the big thing with them a lot of times is it had, you know, it was, it was all in one like the Lisa, but it had something called an analog board, and that was the power, basically the power supply for the whole thing. And I know that would have problems, and it could be adjusted or messed with, and and then fix the screen oh so it wasn't a switching power supply in so those. it could be similar here but one of the things that would happen to lisa is it, it um it wouldn't pass its tests i i'm if i'm remembering right the screen would come on though and what you do is you turn it off and you take all the boards out and you would gently just um push all the chips in yeah that are mounted on the little what are they called words they oxidize in their sockets well right the socketed chips that you know, you could you could. Directly pull out and stick back in. You would just sort of gently push them all in,
1: yeah, and, and then that hear would f- click and crack as you reseat them. Yeah, and that would that would
0: make it work a lot of times. Now with the screen just not coming on, or drop it three inches, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be a power thing, right? Or it could be something easy, or the, or otherwise the tube is bad.
1: Yeah, that, well, if the tube's powering up but it's not getting a signal, you can feel that on the back of your hand. If you put your hand in front of it, you'll feel the uh, static from it. You'll, the hair on the back of your hand will raise. That's how you can tell if monitors are actually powering huh. up but they're not getting a signal.
0: Yeah. But, you know, again, I didn't really uh, tackle any of those sort of difficult problems. Or
1: I'm just wondering if I ever had a, a couple hundred bucks to to spend on the Lisa system, if I should jump in on an auction similar to this that... The parts are there. Just might need some TLC to get running again. Yeah. Would be an investment for me to do so.
0: I think, you know, I think someone like yourself who could fix it, potentially fix this sort of thing. You could probably, I bet you, you could probably figure it out. There's lots yeah, and, of support out there. And
1: I'm believing that it, it could be repaired. I, yeah. I have no qualms about board level repair. It's just the time it takes. And but the other thing for me is space. You know, this is a big system. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to find a place to put it. Um, and then set it aside for a while until I can get to it. But, yeah, if I ever wanted to get into a a lease, this is probably the only way I could get into it is to um, buy it what looks complete but not working, get it working, and then decide if I want to, uh, you know, fund another hobby or fund my hobby off of selling it.
0: Well, they've certainly, um, you know, even though, like I told you, I sold, you know, I've gotten good prices for my leases over the years and my, my last one. But it still was a deal where, say, even two, three years ago, where you could, you know, watch eBay and find, uh, you know, a a clean, fairly clean working Apple Lisa for like 500 bucks, you know, every so often. I don't, it looks like you can't really do that anymore from what I can tell. Did you, did you look for any live ones? No, I didn't. uh, Because like, I'm looking right now and I looked last night and and there's only one. I mean, I'm looking real quick. There's only one currently and... And get this, it's, uh, I'm scrolling back up, it's 9,000 bucks. Oh, yeah. our I'm, best I'm, offer, yeah. which is, is that from our friend? No, it's from, oh, somebody with one feedback, yeah. <laughs> but it's not that computer history museum or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's insane. I mean, okay, it's got a profile hard drive and uh, some old printer, who cares? But, but yeah, <laughs> operational good condition. I would um, hope so. Photo is not of Lisa for sale. Actual photos
1: for buyers available on <laughs> request. Really? Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. This person said. Okay, paste that into the document, comment, so I
0: can go see it. This person said, "How delusional is your sorry a- ass? You put the effing <laughs> pictures of this computer. <laughs> you, <laughs> F- oh god, sorry." Did you see that in the questions?
1: Oh, you know, I don't have it. I don't have a link to it. Was... <laughs> this like, and
0: he says not worth responding to
1: idiots and uneducated non-humans. Okay, but but the range of these <laughs> systems go anywhere from three hundred or one hundred eighty-five dollars to three thousand yeah. dollars. So there's our official stance on it. Yeah, I think it's be... fair to say, like you know, two grand, twenty-five hundred is probably
0: an average for a, a, a totally working one that's generally clean. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, $9,800. Come on. All right. So let's move along. We always pick a couple additional auctions.
1: So what do yes. you got, Jeff? I found something that I, at first I almost scrolled right past until I realized something didn't look quite right. It says here, Apple Two Plus Computer Clone. Um, oh, and it didn't sell. It didn't? No, it looks uh, like that's right. it didn't sell at, from Calgary canada alberta canada but wait it, jeff
0: i can't quite see can you tell me just what kind of system is that i can't quite make that out <laughs> oh yeah that's right the big old tag on the top um
1: system two <laughs> with the super track external drive this that's cool uh, though. i like I, that. you know i didn't sell it's missing a key but it looks like somebody took the keyboard from a atari uh, maybe now see the keys look kind of like the old terminals, um, like the old um, serial terminals, and shoved it into a case that looks like an Apple II case. This is just an interesting looking clone, and that, that's that's about where it stands. That's kind of probably though. brewed this out of their garage. Uh, the board inside looks like an Apple II board, yeah, and it could very well be an Apple II board, but with different ROMs. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they they have a uh, RF modulator uh, strapped to the outside of this thing that's been hand wired into it. Yeah, so hook it up to a TV. <laughs> with the twist tie thing. Oh my! I, I wish there was a bigger backstory to this, but there isn't. Yeah, it still just looks like an Apple II board, unless somebody Let's see big old ROM one, ROM two. There's another EPROM with the uh, the tape off of it. You can see it in, in, in the top view. Well, I think that's pretty neat. I'm it's, surprised it didn't sell. It's it's interesting for what it is. Um, if it's if it went for fifty, it'd probably be worth. Oh, buying. so opening
0: bid was one fifty, and it ended just
1: last night. So I wonder if he'll relist it at uh, a newer or a lower price. It it yeah. would be an interesting one to watch. You know, even with that missing key, um, system. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whoever built this. Really try to keep it close, uh-huh. but but keep it different. It's like it's it's almost grotesque. Um, <laughs> but there it is. It's uh, it's an Apple II clone. No, he didn't relist it. And I wonder who made these cases back in the day. Yeah, because it would have had to be injected. Injection molding or something like that. You didn't have 3D printers back then.
0: Yeah, and obviously the power supply was a uh, third-party replacement for Apple Twos, So that was probably... <laughs> Almost a perfect fit. And then the the motherboard there... I mean, it's certainly set up like an Apple motherboard. I guess it has to be the, for the slots to fit, fit through the case and all that.
1: Yeah, I don't have my Apple II at the ready here. I'd pull the top off and do a visual comparison but it looks really close hmm. it's it, i just thought it was interesting i, I yeah and i thought okay apple 2 and then i saw it said clone and then i saw the keyboard didn't look quite right so that's why i went in the keyboard just looks like those old almost like the uh um the T, the old trs80 k- keyboards yeah it'd have that kind of sound to it right right i don't know if that picked up on my microphone yeah a little bit i was tapping at my model for and obviously, you know,
0: I'm sure most of our listeners realize this, but, you know, unlike the IBM clones, uh, you know, this was not authorized. The only yeah. way to make an, an Apple clone is is illegally because they have to, co- you know, copy the ROMs.
1: Yeah, that big ROM 1 tape and ROM 2 tape over that, that was probably an EPROM programmed copy. And, um, you know, Apple went on to
0: sue. Well, I guess it's not the only way because, well, Apple sued Franklin and it turned out they had ripped off, the Apple ROMs. But um what was the other uh what was the other company that actually you know successfully uh-huh. made Apple clones and they they didn't get in trouble. I guess they were legal.
1: Uh, is it Apricot?
0: No. Um that's oh. okay. We'll think of it. Yeah but, it'll it'll but Franklin made them and they got sued and then stopped and then there's another company that actually made Apple, you know, legal Apple
1: clones. Yeah, it's one of those names that's on the tip of my tongue, but uh, maybe it'll pop up in my head and I'll just shout it out. Um, anyway, my other um, item is a Tandy 600 portable computer. and Very cool. You've heard me talk about the Tandy Model 100 before and even the 200, which is an advanced version. Well, the Tandy 600 kind of takes a couple steps beyond that. It's uh, very similar in design and I not design not physical design but in in concept as far as its operability. It's like having a model one hundred or model two hundred. But this one has a flip-up screen kind of like a laptop Mm -hmm. and it has an eighty column screen instead of forty column screen. But it's pretty much the same concept operationally as a model one hundred or two hundred. It just gives you some portable computing uh With some built-in applications, you know, you can type up stuff or whatever, but it, it just has the, the larger screen and it's also a bigger case too, but a little bit more powerful. And I think the... Well, that I mean, really was like, the,
0: that was the earliest, that was the laptop form factor for the most part at that yes. time.
1: Yeah, it kind of looks like those old Toshiba mm-hmm. T1000s, but it's still... Modeled off of the model 100 and 200, although I believe the 600 did not include basic built-in. Wow. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of details on this particular system. In this I like option, those, but it, it's it's neat. Would <laughs> I want to spend 262 dollars and then for me 60 dollars additional shipping to have it in my collection? No. And uh, I think
0: you can get them cheaper than that, or find you know a Toshiba or something might, else. Yeah, that's just less than a hundred dollars.
1: Search list close to the top and so I said okay I'll just
0: uh, uh I'll, I'll add this to my list. And look how yellow the case is I don't know if I've seen Tandy's yellow that much before.
1: Well this came out later than the 100 and 200 so they were modifying plastics at the time to yeah. be more fire safe. Yeah. And I forget what the chemical is they put in these cases bromine or something like that and that causes the yellowing over time especially during exposure to ultraviolet lighting. So this could have been something that was sitting in somebody's vehicle, or you know, carted around some newspaper reporter. Who knows?
0: And what's funny about it is, so if you look at, so if you look at the first picture, uh, you can see how incredibly yellow the, the case is around the front, around the keyboard. And then if you look at the, you can look at the edge around the screen, how much more white it is. It's almost like it was manufactured in two different. Yeah. Processes. Then the next picture is the back of it closed, and you can really see the back case how yellow it is compared to the back of the front of the case or the front of this back of the screen and how white that is so in other words this machine for i'm assuming sat open most of the time and so right so the the back of the top of the case and then the you know the keyboard area
1: got you know or they sourced two different companies to manufacture or something plastic. yeah or plastic it... yeah, it's really oh weird. yeah plastic oh you're right that's doesn't... right
0: because the the inside is a continuation of that other yellowed case plastic or whatever versus the back yep. of the screen. You're right. Probably the screen was manufactured at a different facility. And where it matched originally, it, it aged differently.
1: Huh. Yeah, I can't remember what the process was that caused the yellowing or what the... But I, I, I'm i pretty sure it was because it had to make the plastic more fire safe. And, and it was that chemical that when it responds to ultraviolet light, causes the yellowing. And, and now they have that retrobrite stuff that yeah, the community has almost perfected, um, and, and you can go to a local hair salon and get the stuff you need to bring the lightness back to your computers. And hasn't
0: there been um, there's been sort of debate over the years as what causes this? And I, it was thought to be well, obviously smoking a long time ago <clears throat> was the oh, assumption. Oh, discolor it. Yeah, but uh, I thought I think it is it infrared light?
1: It's the UV light from our UV
0: light that yeah. So
1: people sitting their computers near the open windows or near windows, and you know, UV light just has to get in. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. Ultraviolet uh, light. It. It's just over time. And you've seen that in some beige colored uh, computer monitors from the time. Yeah. It might be a, like a line, right? Like a diagonal line right on the side of the case where, you know, the sunlight was shining in. Or it could be. that one spot. It was black light caused it
0: from hippies. This was a Man. hippie computer. <laughs> 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 what well, do you think? Well, the peace stickers would have prevented it from...
1: Uh, yeah, but there, there's a it's a chemical they put in for uh, fire retarding that actually did the, the no. visual damage
0: later on. Let's be PC, all right? It's, it's fire uh, learning impaired.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <that's> a, <laughs>
0: you have some interesting items. Uh, okay, so let me get out of it. Oh, the other mich- company I found was a laser. So the laser by VTech, right. Laser 128, and that was the one's. They reverse-engineered the Apple ROMs like what Compact did to start the PC clone market.
1: And they were legally able to do that. That's been proven.
0: And, okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, I found this one's kind of out of the blue and very interesting. So, this is an antique, not really a, you know, true computer, if you will, but, but interesting. So, this is an antique electronic quiz game educational computer, vintage battery-operated Bells. <laughs> <The> battery <laughs> so this is in the uk and it's about 57 bucks to ship to me which isn't too crazy uh it ends in a day one day five hours as of this moment and it's only up to nine dollars for seven bids but really interesting the wires so, have lost most of the installation well it's good because it probably is best as wiring yeah so you know it's kind of like a game thing and it's got a little water damage on the bottom. This is not technically a computer, but you know, hey, th- these uh, other auctions are just for fun. And so this so caught my eye I In this case,
1: neat. you would you would match the picture up with the name for this particular card. Mm-hmm. I guess there's other cards that uh, you place over kind of like quiz whiz.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty neat, huh?
1: Yeah, and it's I never seen anything
0: like this before. I didn't uh... it looks like it was actually manufactured. Um, oh let me get to the one picture I was gonna comment about. Can I zoom in here? Oh, I think oh Voltaire. Okay, so these are different eminent men. <laughs> yes. And then uh what's this other one? Object lessons. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. Someone could pick this up really cheap if, you know, it's an interesting artifact. S- sort of falls into, you know, computer stuff. So then the um the other one I found. So have you ever heard of this type of machine? I know I've heard of it before. It's called the Basis 108. It says probably the last I, working Basis 108
1: on the planet. Don't think I've ever heard of it before. I don't think I've ever seen this before. It either. looks
0: to be pretty much sort of a, just a, a standard um, PC XT clone. Okay. So nothing particularly fancy. All oh, the full but, height drives. And... But, you know, really look at it. Look at the keyboard for it, and it's... Uh, it looks like it's just a generic display, but it's got a lot of character.
1: It's got yeah, a that's hard... a good term for it. Character.
0: It is really interesting looking. It's got a green screen, but so it's got the old boot into Pascal,
1: boot into CPM, boot into DOS, oh, boot oh. into
0: ProDOS. Oh, I'm sorry, that was it. That was what I was looking for. That was why this jumped out at me too. You found the Apple II clone. Yeah, check it out. It's got um, it it's an Apple II clone too. <laughs> All in one system. So I wonder if it had multiprocessors? So it was a German machine. Yes. It has a 6502 and a Z80. So it runs CPM. So I'm sorry. So it wasn't a PC clone. It was a it was an Apple II clone CPM machine built into one machine. That is a really neat machine. Interesting. So, yeah. And, you know, currently at a, uh, it ends in three days. It's currently at $100. It's about $130, at least to me, out of Colorado, which, um that's kind of a lot but you know that's a pretty neat machine I think if you could pick that up for yeah two or three hundred dollars even with shipping it might be a little bit high but that's that's pretty neat yeah it would it would definitely be a it's got a hard drive
1: yeah it's you that. see the
0: external hard drive yeah and it's got the little that little uh joystick um like that's, that's a real early sort of Apple 2 joystick. That's right, the um the the lever, the the continuous lever. Yeah. And the two big buttons. And it even has the adjustments on the X and Y. I guess was that for
1: gaming? The, the trimming or? yeah, the trim controls. If if something shifted a little bit to one side or the other, you can trim it to make it stop. It was good for flying games and driving games.
0: So um so check that out. It is pretty
1: neat. So it almost looks like somebody built this up. You have DOS and ProDOS and CPM. So they probably put like a Microsoft soft card into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there, there, there's a language card that does Pascal, right? Oh, does it say that? Well, it says it boots into Pascal. Oh, so wow. Would that be like the language card? Hmm. Isn't that what did Pascal on the Apple II? I I want to I think so. I'm not sure. I know there was like cards that gave certain features to the Apple II. I, um, from what I've read of it, I'm not an expert on Apple II, but I thought I remember like language card providing an additional language. Yeah. Uh, and then you just put it into a slot as opposed to loading it up into RAM. Oh, look,
0: and it's got the little uh, boot menu there, the Cider math main menu utility. First class peripherals. 19, so you boot into Pascal, you can boot into CPM. Boot oh, well, into and, or six. you can boot into DOS? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. unless that's an old Apple DOS. Hmm. Or ProDOS. I see the boot into slot six. Yeah, some cards went into slot six, and you can—they have their own boot code in it, right? We we need to revisit.
0: We need to try to remember to revisit this and see what it sold for. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna add
0: it to my watch list. So I added one more quick bonus mention because I thought it was just it in was, case we <laughs> had time left. <laughs> yeah, just so we could really go over time. But I thought this this seemed pretty neat. I just really thought we had to mention it. So it's it's a so the title oh. is Geek Alert. Super, did I say that right? Geek alert! Super rare Univac front panel of fifty-seven switches and nine circuit boards, and uh, it's got eight days left. It's at seventy-six dollars, reasonable shipping out of Cupertino, California, Apple's headquarters. Yeah, uh, but you know something that's actually branded from Univac, I think is 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 pretty neat. I so it says Barry Ran,
1: Univac, March, uh, Mid Atlantic Retro Computer. Hobbyists and their Info Age Museum has something like this, or what? Yeah, look, it's got
0: a UNIVAC serial number on it in the bottom right. Do you see that? Division of Sperry RAN. So, this was an internal thing. Um, And the fact that it is Sperry RAN UNIVAC, uh, you know, hey, I'm really guessing here, but that means um, late 50s, I'm going to say. It could be early 60s. But, you know, know, they weren't Sperry RAN UNIVAC UNIVAC originally. That era, but. Just something that has their logo on it and it was a, some part of what their machinery. Static I think it's pretty logic neat. Logic
1: Simulator. So it looks like there may have been a, a, a display, probably Nixie tube display, in that open cut area above the, the black sockets. Hmm. That's what I'm guessing. But yeah, it's an interesting piece of hardware a while ago, that wiring in the back. Back of the panel, they just got bands of wiring because we didn't have printed circuit boards Mention
0: that in, in passing because you don't see something like that too often no. I mean univac is you know uh you know the word univac was synonymous with computers back in the day right people you know after after people initially heard about computers or giant brains you know the yeah. the, the idea of uh, or electronic brains you know the idea of computer became univac you know for a long like, for a good while like the Kleenex of tissue and the scotch yeah. of uh, tape. Yeah. So, tape. I still say scotch tape, I think. Okay. So that does it for the show. All right. For the big shoe. Now it's time for lunch. A nice long show today. So the next our next show will be uh we'll be back on our normal schedule, you know, releasing shows on Fridays, generally, trying to. So eBay show six will be released on Friday, January eighth. And we'll be continuing our coverage of the GUI thirty-two bit computers with the Apple Macintosh. So it'll be a whole, you know, a whole show just Macintosh, like we did the Lisa. Oh, sure be enough to fill it, yeah. And then we have two. So along those lines, we have two other GUI thirty-two bit shows. Uh, so for the next two weeks after that, so we'll be covering the Amiga. I'm not sure which will which which order. I think the Amiga one will be after the Mac. So we'll have an Amiga show, and then we'll have the Atari ST show.
1: And they all use similar processors. So. Yeah, uh,
0: they actually—they uh, all use the same processor, don't they?
1: Sixty-eight thousand series.
0: Yeah. So find all of our show notes at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. You can send us feedback. We want more of that. Thank you to our our two uh,
1: commenters. Yes, that, some great information there.
0: So send that to feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com, and tell someone about tell someone about us, please. Share the the wealth of fun. On iTunes or uh, Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter or the other newfangled ways people share information.
1: If you're in a discussion group, tell them. If you fly <laughs> banners at the ocean because it's so warm now, right? Put it on a banner, fly it around, let the people on the beach see it. Write it on your kite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll work.
0: Put Make bumper tail, stickers. <laughs> you know, uh, what else could you do? Uh, hand out flyers at your at your local park.
1: That's right. That'll work. <laughs> so, so that's I Should fr- have said that uh, little notes would have been great stocking stuffers, but we <laughs> passed that already. Yeah.
0: Oh, you know what? And uh, it, you know, if you didn't get a chance, if if you haven't listened to again, this was last year's show. But if you go to our site and you just look in December, the archives, you can find our Christmas, you know, our holiday memories show from last year. If you never got a chance to listen to that, you know, yep, it's after Christmas now. But but listen to it. Really excellent. A lot of great stories here about people getting you know, computers and such around the holidays back in the day. And you know what? We'd still love to hear any of those stories. It's still close enough to the holidays. So if you got a story you'd like to share, send it to us. And we'll be happy to either play it if you record it or we'll read it on the next exactly. show.
1: You know, tell us how you felt when you got your very first computer. Last chance. Last chance for
0: this year. But especially if you receive something this year. If someone gave you something that's retro or a emulator or, you know, whatever, a reproduction or whatever, tell us about it. So that's it for today's show. Remember, let the buyer beware, or caveat emptor, and take care of your old computers. Bye-bye.
1: <laughs>